1: Welcome back to the Dear Prudence podcast once again. And as always, I am your host, Mallory Ortberg, also known as Dear Prudence. With me in the studio today is Mike Kaplan. And I'm looking very forward to introducing all of you to all of him shortly. But first, a word on the dream stove. Every once in a while, I will get a letter that becomes a part of who I am. This letter has inscribed itself onto my DNA. Uh, I sleep differently now because of it. I I move through the world differently. I think there's a very good chance that I will, like, grow an extra finger or my hair will turn white or some sort of physical reality will be inscribed on my body because of, like, the reality of this letter. Um, It was a part of the live chat yesterday, uh, and it was about a dream stove But which I don't mean like a a hypothetical or fantasy stove. It's a very real stove that has created a very real problem in a presumably real human being's life. The problem that the letter writer uh, described was this. Um, It's sort of along the lines of how sometimes people will get mad if somebody else, quote unquote, steals a baby's name, which, you know, can't actually happen. You can't steal a name from a baby like your Rumpelstiltskin and like run off. And now all of a sudden the baby is nameless. What people say, what people, people mean when they say someone else has stolen their baby name is someone else named their baby something that the person in question wanted to name their baby Uh, at any rate this happened to someone over a stove someone wrote in and said I have this dream stove I've always wanted to buy Uh, I love cooking and design so it's really important to me to someday own this stove well my best friend bought that self-same stove not long after I told them about my dream needless to say, I'm furious. By the way, whenever someone writes needless to say, they need to say it because I had no idea that they were about to say what they said, um, because it is not necessarily like super intuitive. Uh, needless to say, the letter writer said, I'm furious. I feel betrayed. Uh, and I've been giving this friend the silent treatment for the better part of a year because of the stove uh and they don't seem to understand why i'm so angry uh my other friends have attempted to set up an intervention to try to restore our friendship but i just i can't even i can't even see myself having a conversation with this person what do i do um and i had to lie down for 45 minutes with a cool washcloth on my forehead this is me not the letter writer just to just to absorb what had happened um and I can't stop thinking about it. Mike, uh, I'm, I'm actually just going to introduce you now because I, I can't talk about this by myself anymore. I need someone else to, like, anchor me and hold me down to earth. So, Mike Kaplan is our guest today. He is a comedian and the host of the podcast Hang Out With Me. His latest album is called No Kidding. Mike, welcome to the show. How do you feel about the stove?
2: Thank you so much. I I read your column every week. I haven't gotten to this letter yet. It is making me feel anxious. Because you can't, like, they make multiples of that stove, right? They didn't, she didn't steal. I don't think
1: it's like a bespoke stove, no.
2: It's not uh, like an artisanal, one-of-a-kind, this is the one that was made for me or whoever walked into the store before me and snatched it, and now I can't. Like, when I have things that I love, and I'm like, I tell my friends about them, and I'm like, this seems great. I would also love for you to have a great thing. I would be honored if I... Knew enough about a stove to love it. And then my friends were like, I like Mike's taste in stoves. I'm going to get that self-same stove.
1: Yeah, no, Mikey, you are absolutely correct. It is a stove like the stove that every home and apartment comes with. Uh, The thing we all have in our kitchens. This isn't even like a fancy kitchen appliance. Like if you own a home or rent an apartment or live in a building that is like zoned for human existence, odds are like well above 90 percent that you have a stove.
2: Is it possible that this person has had other wrongs, imagined or real, done by this friend? Or is this the first thing this Oh, friend? Mike, I'm sorry.
1: Are you suggesting that this person perhaps brings the same unreasonable sense of intensity to other areas of their life, not just the issue of stove exclusivity?
2: I, I will, to be generous, say... I wonder if this friend has stolen baby names, actual babies, actual appliances. And this is the straw that is breaking the camel's back, which isn't it's like giving the Academy Award for the departed instead of giving it for all of the other things that Martin Scorsese, quote unquote, should have won the Academy Award for. And I don't I don't think that this is what is happening, but I I want it to be.
1: I, I very much wish that I could say, yes, like the stove, it's not about the stove. It's about all the other things. But the, the letter writer did not say this friend has a habit of upstaging me. Um, it was it seemed to be very much about the stove for the letter writer. Um, and they felt that they had been in some way harmed uh, by the fact that they their friend now had the stove first. And um, they were also like genuinely seemed upset that their friend didn't know why they were upset. And, you know, I had to sort of gently say, like, I gotta tell you if if why, because this person called them their best friend. I was like, if my best friend started giving me the silent treatment, and I, I if that happened, I'd feel terrible. I'd spend a lot of time thinking about what I could have done to hurt them. Oh, yeah. I, I could spend a hundred years meditating on all of my faults in like a beautiful crystal cave. And the stove I had most recently pur- most recently purchased would not come onto the list. I would not think could be the stove.
2: Mallory, uh, where did you get your beautiful crystal cave? I would love to get one.
1: It is my ruminating on my faults cave. And it came along one day when I felt real bad about everything I've ever said and done. If you just vibrate with enough intensity uh, (laughs) when you feel terrible about yourself, a beautiful crystal cave will appear and the crystals will focus uh, your self-recriminations.
2: And you don't mind if I also get one?
1: No, no, not at all. As long as you don't get it from Viking. Oh, of course. Because that is the brand of Crystal Cave that I have selected for myself, and if you got one, I would have to turn into a sea nymph out of
2: rage. Just uh, jotting something down, nothing related to what we're doing now, but... sincerely, this person, if I think they could have imagined if the person I'm imagining the person imagining the slights before they were told why the silent treatment was about to come or didn't come or didn't get that warning is like, mm-hmm. well, w- what happened recently? I guess I uh we had that conversation about the stove. I got that stove. That couldn't be it. it and then uh, then everything else starts flying through the mind. No, it doesn't. I I'm sorry to. I, I don't I like people to be right. And, you know, I want to be on everybody's side. But sometimes it's hard to be.
1: Well, I think that's a good attitude to bring to the questions today. I think that's like a helpful, useful generosity of spirit that enables one to give good advice. Um, but the best advice I have for the stove person is get a grip. Um, and I don't say that lately. I don't say like you're dumb and your problems are dumb. I just mean, like, this is not a problem. You have not been harmed in any meaningful way. Uh, you don't actually have a problem. Um
2: I like you that. You can still
1: get a stove.
2: Oh, yeah. Your problems are not dumb. This is not a problem.
1: This exactly
2: is dumb.
1: Yes. Yeah. This is dumb. You're not dumb, but this is very dumb. And it's like maybe, maybe I'm just like outing myself as a total bore, but I feel like at a certain point, a stove is a stove, right? Like, I don't know. Gas stoves are better than electric stoves. Sure. But at a certain point, it's just a metal box in your house that makes food hot.
2: Oh, Mallory.
1: It can only (laughs) get so good, right? Like there's got to be a level where you start to hit diminishing returns. I'm not saying that certain stoves aren't better than other stoves, but like at a certain point, they all do the same thing.
2: We'll find out. Right? How many listeners you have in the stove lobby, big stove may be coming for you, but I do agree with you. And my final advice to the dream stove, wanter or haver is to just, uh, I guess, become a raw vegan.
1: I think the only other, you know what, there is one situation where I think it would be okay to get this upset. And that is if um, the oven in question is an easy bake oven. mm. Because I, too, have always wanted one and never got one as a child, and um, if one of my friends had an easy-bake oven and I didn't, I'd feel pretty rough about it.
2: I understand. I mean, I... Those things are amazing. I'm sure. I don't remember. I don't think I had one, and now I want one.
1: I I mean, Mike, it was just an excuse to basically, like, put together some raw brownie batter and, like, put it under basically just, like, a warm light bulb, and then an hour later, eat brownie batter and just feel really good about your choices.
2: I, I guess I've I've had good feelings about other choices I've made, so I've had the equivalent. But yeah, not that exact experience. And I I hope that you get what you want.
1: I hope so too. So at any rate, uh, we're staying on the theme of food. We're 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 slowly easing our way into everyone's problems this week. But our first letter is also about food. Uh, but it's also about not just food. Oh sure. Uh, would you be so good as to uh, read it for us?
2: I'm excited to. Awesome. Dear Prudence. I've been dating my boyfriend for about a year. We're both in our late 20s, and I see a future with him, but I wouldn't write you if there wasn't a dark cloud. I'm a vegetarian, and my boyfriend eats meat. This isn't necessarily a big problem. My exes were meat eaters too, and he's happy to eat my home-cooked vegan meals or provide vegetarian food for me when we are at his place. The problem is that he sells meat for a living. His father is a poulterer, and when I first met my boyfriend, he was working for him two days a week to make money for his tech startup. At the time, the idea was that this situation was temporary and that in time he would dedicate himself fully to his tech company. A couple months ago, he had a change of heart and he now wants to take over his father's business, mostly because he would be able to provide a secure future for himself and any potential children. I don't feel comfortable living off the gains of animal suffering. I already told him I won't be joining the family business and he's fine with that, but I'm not sure if I can be with someone whose career is in the meat industry. We're both principled people, but in different ways. It's important to my boyfriend that he's able to provide affordable food for the public, good jobs for his mostly immigrant employees, and security for his family. We talked about it a couple times, but we didn't come to a solution. I love him, but I'm worried about the long term. I'd really appreciate your advice, and I'd love to hear from other vegetarians or vegans that have had, that have or have had a partner that works in the meat industry, if there are any out there. Uh, love. I added love. The butcher's future <laughs> wife. The butcher's future wife? Question mark.
1: Thank you. By the way, this is kind of the second question I've gotten in as many weeks about a a sort of really similar kind of call for responses. Last week, Mm. uh, we heard from somebody who is uh, like a a devout liberal uh, Protestant uh, who is with like a sort of like shruggy, apathetic atheist. And it was a sort of similar thing of like, I love this person. We both have values. They're just really different. And I'm curious, like, does anyone else know how to make this work? Because I want to believe that you can. And then this one is from a sort of different angle. But that sort of question again of I love this person, but we see something in really different ways. Can we make it work? Is it okay? Is there anyone else who's doing this? And and I, I hope very much that we hear from in the next couple of weeks a lot of like christian vegans and atheist poulterers who are in like loving weird relationships and are just like super into sharing their tips i please call us
2: i hope so as well please do call mallory do you know uh what my dietary inclinations are
1: i do i do which is part of why i wanted to save this one for you because i thought uh, this would be right up your alley
2: i appreciate it i didn't know if it was a happy accident or a happy on purpose
1: happy on purpose
2: I for the listeners, I am vegan, and Mallory made me tell you. Sorry, uh, listeners, you have to know this now. You
1: know something about Mike. You guys are close.
2: You will never not know. Um, I mean, my initial response, if if I may give my advice, is that yeah. Uh, I honestly think I mean, as a person for whom this issue is also important, I don't. I I have dated people who eat meat, have eaten meat, and continue to eat meat. And don't think that that has been a long term problem for me or would be. But I think that there is something different about somebody who makes their money uh, doing, like actively making, being a butcher, having a butchering company, being responsible for the butchering of animals, uh, in this person's words and in the way that I imagine reality is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this, for me, I, the only thing that I can do as advice is say what I would do. I think I would not continue to be with this person because it would, over the long term, make me feel very bad.
1: Yeah, and we'll sometimes get questions in a similar vein from someone who is is not saying, I think this person is a monster. Um, but there's a sort of discomfort as if if we were to break up over a serious difference of opinion in terms of our worldview or how we express our values Um I would feel like a bad person because if they're not a monster, I don't think it's a good enough reason. It's sort of the undercurrent sometimes of letters like this. Um, Sure, And I always feel like it is really okay to say you are not a bad person. I am not a bad person. We are like some roads diverging in a yellow wood right here. And, uh, you know... To, to, to say that, I think it's sometimes really hard for people. They'll think, but like, they're a good person. I'm a good person. Is it like mean or intolerant to to not try to figure out a way? Um, and, and just like looking through the letter, like the, the letter writer says, I'm not sure if I can be with someone whose career is in the meat industry. Uh, I, I am worried about the long term. Uh, I, I, I can't really see myself, you know, Uh, like, living off of, uh, like, financially living off of the profits of animal suffering. And that feels like, oh, well, you seem to know yourself pretty well there. Like, that seems like it's actually clear to you. You wouldn't be comfortable, you wouldn't want to do it, and you can't see a future with that. So... You know, pay attention to that. It doesn't mean you have to like kick him in the face tomorrow and and run off to live on a commune. Um, But if that is a value of yours and if that feels like not something you could build a life around and if it's something that your boyfriend seems really committed to, um, I I don't think that's going to become like less of an issue for you guys with time. And I don't think you're going to start to feel good about it. Um, And I think that's a good enough reason to say, Like, you know, you've been together for less than a year. I care about you and you are a great person, but we're not going to be compatible in the long run. Like, that is an okay reason to break up, uh, I think. I I like that I'm like looking around like someone's going to come in and be like, no, it's not. Like, this is my show. I can say that
2: you definitely can I can I agree with you I think the you love each other there's so many times when people love each other and one wants kids one doesn't one wants monogamy one doesn't one, there's all kinds of reasons that two people who are fine people uh, don't belong together because of some incompatibility the, the only I think final possible saving grace could be if you have a conversation about this and say I'm thinking of leaving this relation I think this relationship might not be best for me slash us uh, what, what would that, what would you say about that? Is this career more important to you than a possible future with me? Because I think that if you're choosing this career, I can't be with you. And maybe he would right. say, uh, no, you're more important than the career.
1: Right. And and not to phrase it in terms of like, quit this job or lose me forever in the sort of way that's like, um, an ultimatum so much as like, I can't see myself doing that. Um, I don't want to tell you what to do, but I know what I need to do for myself Knowing that, do you still feel like this is something that's really important to you? Because if so, I think it's better for us to part ways now. Um, If you're open to not doing it, then I would love to stay together. But I'm not going to try to force you to do anything. Thinking about a friend who was seeing somebody for a while, and they like really cared for one another. They had a really wonderful rapport. And one issue that really came up between them was uh, the person they were dating took a job at a at a hedge fund, um, and that was really troubling for my friend and like they would talk about it well it was not like oh you horrible monster you have like joined like the evil people and you're bad now it was just this sense of like I find this really troubling this would be hard for me if this was your career Um, and ultimately it got to a point where they were uh, no longer in a relationship and again it wasn't like I'm good you're bad get out Um, but it it really came up against, like, a pretty serious value of my friends. And um, it it was helpful to see two people walk through this and and to realize, like, it was not, like, this awful ultimatum of you're bad, I'm good, get out, but just, like, I can't see my way through to building my life with a person where this is such an important part of their day-to-day. And that's okay, I think, to end a relationship over, like, big picture issues. I think... That's I think that's a good reason to end a relationship.
2: One of the best. In fact, uh, I mean, what would you what would you talk about at the end of the day? Not that you you can only talk about work, but how was your day? Please don't tell me anything that you did at the butcher factory. Uh, right. Like, call me when you're not a butcher, you know, if you want to. And you are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's hard. I think we sometimes think of love should transcend those things. And, uh, you know, does it mean that I'm intolerant or or, or small minded or, or not trying hard enough? And I don't think that's the case. I think it's really OK if something's like supremely important to you um, to say, like, this is a line for me. That's that's all right. So, you know, letter writer. Um, it sounds like you know that this would not be something you would be comfortable with. And it, it sounds like you need to make that just kind of a line for yourself. Like you're like, I could be with somebody who eats meat. That's not a line I need to draw. I understand that different people feel differently about this. But uh, as a like vegetarian or, or a vegan, it was a little unclear from the letter yeah. where they kind of fall on that continuum. But like, it would be difficult for me to date someone who is a uh, or marry someone uh, who, who works in that line of work. And that's like. Yeah, that's okay. You, you, you get to have your own values. That's part of the joy of being a human being is you get to say, this is my little fiefdom. This is my principality. This is where I, I like administer, uh, my will. Um, and, and I want someone who can, um, participate in that. Not necessarily a carbon copy of myself, but somebody who, uh, wants to sort of like bind up and do the good work with me. A meat-free thing. Sorry, I'm getting... I always get really (laughs) biblical language when I start talking about, like, personhood and the administration of the will. And that's just where, like, my religious upbringing just comes, like, shooting through. So, sorry. But bind up and do the good work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to throw in a voicemail in between our letters. This Mm. one's been sitting in the inbox for a while.
2: All right.
0: Hi. So my question is, a couple weeks ago... You had a question on the podcast about a roommate who found out that somebody else in the same building was given a lower rate. And you used um, the biblical story of the day laborers to illustrate that just because somebody else gets something at a better price than you got doesn't mean that the price you're paying is unfair. So my question is related to salary. Um, I'm a white woman and I'm doing a pretty damn well uh, for myself thanks to structural privilege. Um, but one of the things that's commonly told to women is in salary negotiations, we should be trying to find out what other people are being paid and asking to be paid the same as men in the similar roles uh, to help close the gender wage gap. Now, I don't need more money. I think I make plenty. Right now, I think my salary is fair. Um, But I also feel like in some ways I'm letting down feminist cause by not fighting to be paid the same as men. So my question is, if I think what I'm being paid is fair, should I fight to get paid more? Does that actually help anyone? Um, Or is it just a selfish, greedy pursuit to try to put more money in my own pocket? Um, I'd really be interested in your take on this issue Thanks
1: very much, and have a good night. Okay, uh, this is always this is always where I also run into trouble because I, I, I used a couple of months ago uh, to describe. I think somebody was upset about like different levels of rent that was getting paid in their house, and I threw out like an old story. Um, and I don't think it is necessarily a universally applicable story. So, like, of course, now it's getting thrown on my face, and I'm like, no, no, I didn't mean it. Um, but but yeah, that's. Mike, I know uh, I know that I'm just like throwing you in the deep end with all of this stuff. but Like, what are your thoughts, man?
2: Uh, This a lot of the questions this week uh, are there's some tough ones. This is one that I honestly I don't want to say that I have the perfect answer because what could that be? But
1: I wish you did, though, Mike. I I feel
2: I feel pretty confident about what I'm about to say. Uh, I think that your only options are not either don't ask for more money. Or ask for more money because you want to help other people, but how would that help other people? Uh, You could ask for more money and then take the money that you don't need and donate it to causes that are actually fighting to get more money for people of color and other women who do need it and other minorities. And there's certainly groups out there working towards more, you know, gender equality across all the intersectionality that exists through our society. Like so you could take some of the money that you don't need that you have now or that you get if you ask for it, certainly asking for more and keeping it to yourself when you don't need it. Uh, isn't specifically helping other people and might actually, I think, hurt if you're like, oh, the n- the gap is shrinking, but in the wrong place, in a place where it's not necessary.
1: Right. And I think one thing that I felt like this uh, question was sort of getting at, but didn't quite come out and ask was, um, like, she's clearly thinking a lot about the gender uh, Wage gap, and then mentions that she's a white woman, and there is there are other wage gaps. Uh, the 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 racial wage gap um, is significant, um, so it's not simply a matter of am I making as much as a white man, but there are ways in which like um, white women often make more uh, comparatively than some men of color and, and many women of color. And, and so there are ways in which you are maybe disadvantaged as a woman, but advantaged as a, as a white lady, um, that is meaningful and and worth thinking about. Um, so it's not just, uh, the wage gap of, uh, I'm not quite caught up to white men. There's also ways in which, you know, you are, um, uh, ahead of of other people. So uh, that is also, I think, worth thinking about. So it's not just a question of like, should I be making more money for the cause? But how can I help other workers? I think is a good question to always be asking yourself. How can I help my colleagues, um, people who are coming up in my chosen career path? Um, how can I help them sort of fight the war of attrition that like The company is always trying to wage against us. So anything from, like, disclosing your salary to colleagues who are maybe, like, involved in their own attempts to uh, ask for more money is a really good idea. Like, Mike, I've been kind of doing this ongoing with different people on the podcast is talking about like how much money we've made in the last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's like meaningful. And it's hard, right? Like the first time I started talking about how much money I was making, I felt really uncomfortable because I thought, oh, we're not supposed to be doing this. Um, And that's not to say that you should start walking up to strangers and saying like, here's how much money I make. Like, of course, (laughs) it's possible to be like boorish and rude in so doing. Um, But I think often, especially within our own companies, if we are employed by a company and aren't like a freelancer, we think, I'm not supposed to tell anyone else what I'm making, and it's like actually, that's helpful information. Like, um, I used to work at. This is so funny. I like. I don't want to say the name of the company. I'm like, <laughs> what if I get in trouble? I once worked at Yelp for three weeks. And uh, I got the job from a friend who worked there, and she had been there for about four years and, like, was very senior in the department. Um, And when they hired me, uh, I was sort of reluctant to take the job because I had a couple of other things going on. So I asked for more money, and I asked for more money, and they gave it to me. And she and I went out um, during my three-week employment there, um, and I found out that I was making, like— eight percent more than she was after four and a half years at the company and i told her and i said hey you should know they offered me more money than they give you you should ask for more money um and she did and she got it and like obviously that's like a simple anecdote i'm not saying that simply knowing what your colleagues make is going to enable you to like get more money um, but you should share that information with other people um Who are like maybe trying to negotiate for more like that was useful information to her and she was able to like ask for more. And I'm really glad I did that um, because they should have been paying her more money.
2: I am also glad you did that. We so often I mean, it's our self-worth is psychologically connected to literally our worth, the worth of, you know, our job, what we have in our bank account. Like I as a freelancer, I'm you know, I'm I'm a comedian. I don't work for a company. I have had like older comedians, like more experienced comedians tell me sometimes, like, hey, if you get to this point and you're, you know, bringing in this many people, if you're working in this market, like, this is what you could or should or, you know, other people have made. And when people don't exchange this information, like when there's silence, that just helps the people who have all of the money keep most of the money. And it can only be helpful to be transparent uh, with, you know, with your colleagues, with your, you know, Superior, you know, with anybody like you, you just started working there and uh, started making it's it's crazy that that happens. Uh, yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, no. And, and I just think uh, like there's a lot of different stuff going on. Like California recently proposed a fair wage law that kind of puts the burden on, on employers to disprove pay discrepancies based on either gender or race. Hmm. Um, and it also protects employees who want to share the, their pay information with their colleagues, and it kind of prohibits employer retaliation, which, of course, can and does happen, right? Like, I don't want to be too Pollyannish and say, like, just walk into all of your colleagues' offices and <laughs> tell them how much you make, and by golly, you can all just go talk to your managers, and soon we'll all make the exact same amount of money, and we'll all live in one big house, um, like, <laughs> which would actually be great. Um, but, uh, like, wage trampa- transparency is something that you can do and that you can use to help other people workers uh, there are there are companies that are like auditing Pay discrepancies, like I think Intel last year did a a, a gender based wage audit, and they're working on a race based wage audit to try to figure out uh, where they're fucking up. And I think that that should be encouraged. And you should try to find out, like, if you work for a big company, have they done that? Are they doing it? You can um, submit uh, like your uh, your own salary to websites like Glassdoor uh, or Fairy Godboss. I think there's probably others where other people who are maybe applying for work at your company can use that as like helpful information um, anything that you can do to help other people fight for more money is a good thing like if there are ways in your field that you can mentor um, other women women of color people who are gender minorities etc like to help them um, you know if you've got some experience in your field to, to help them based on your own experience like do that
2: if, <laughs> um, yeah. if you have that's... yeah if you have more of anything uh, share it if you have more money time experience anything you can help by providing that.
1: Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, she says, uh, I'm happy with how much I make. That's fantastic. That means you can help other people uh, get on your level. Um, like if, if you're at a point where you're like, I am like fairly like remunerated for my work. That is fantastic. Help other people out. Help other people who are just getting started, help other people who maybe like do not already have a ton of mentors who are like helping them along their career path um, look for ways to help other people bridge that gap. Woo, okay, so after that, uh, I, let's 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 jump into something a little different. I want to do some more family in-law stuff mm-hmm. uh, this This question, Mike, has like I, I had to like sit down. I am so confused by this. And I feel like there's one of two possible answers, and they're both super different. So I'm going to go ahead and read this letter, and we're going to figure out which scenario I think is really going on. Sure. Dear Prudence, my son is married to his second wife, Loretta, whom I adore. They've been together for four years and married for two. Loretta and I have a great relationship. We've never had a single conflict. She loves my son, treats him with respect, and has a great head on her shoulders. If I could have gone to the daughter-in-law store and picked out their best model, I would have picked her. The problem I have is with my son. He's 31, he has a successful career, and he's going to grad school. He's an all-around great guy. However, he has some pretty odd viewpoints about certain things, one of which has caused a lot of conflict between him and me. Since the very beginning of their relationship, if I want to ask Loretta about what she might want for her birthday or Christmas, or plan a get-together either with just her or with her and my son, or just call her to talk, my son says that I have to go through him and should not contact her directly. He discourages all direct communication from me to her. Loretta has never indicated in any way that she doesn't want me to get in touch with her. Over the past four years, we've spent some very pleasant times together, just the two of us. Loretta and my son have a very happy and healthy relationship, and he is not abusive. He doesn't place this requirement on any other person in their circle of family and friends, just me. When I observe the two of them together, they treat each other as equals. He's not overbearing, and she isn't quiet and submissive. He also never had this requirement in place when he was married to his first wife. Loretta is very busy with a full-time job and their daughter, and I don't want to spend endless hours on the phone chit-chatting with her and taking up lots of her time. I'd just like to feel free to call her to ask what she wants for her birthday, or to schedule the occasional group dinner. His reason for this rule is that it's quote-unquote not normal for a mother-in-law to communicate directly with her daughter-in-law. From my own personal experience with my mother-in-law when I was married to his father, this is definitely normal. The most recent occurrence of this non-communication rule came when he was out of the country, and I learned that I needed to have minor surgery. I asked Loretta to see if she'd be able to drive me to the hospital, and she said she'd be happy to. She didn't sound annoyed or fake nice. She really did say she, was be- she would be happy to do this for me. Now when my son came back, he told me that he would be taking me instead and that Loretta had commitments that day and that I shouldn't have gotten in touch with her at all. I'm confused and frustrated. I very much want to talk to Loretta about this and find out how she feels, but I'm really worried about adding fuel to the fire with my son because I know she would tell him that I called her to discuss this and he would unleash his anger on me. I also don't want to put her in an awkward position. I don't even know if she knows about his rule. And whether she did or didn't, my son would be angry with me for discussing it with her. I've tried everything I know to convince my son that he's being unreasonable and hurtful, that it's not weird for a mother-in-law to call her daughter-in-law, and that there's no need for such an outlandish boundary. I'm kind to my daughter-in-law. I love her. And I want to be able to call her up and talk to her, just like any other normal mother-in-law. Signed, sad mom. (sighs) By the way, this was originally a lot longer. Wow. Um, I, I, I had to cut down a lot of it. And like this has clearly been going on for a long time. And it's just really weird you're you're in a long-term relationship right i don't remember if you're married or not but like you've got kind of an in-law situation
2: uh that is i'm in a relationship that's been about a year now i've had some i have been married so i have had in-laws i under and i guess the first thing that jumps out to me that even if it is weird it's not bad like everything that's weird isn't bad and it would be fine if everybody was fine with it for any any two people who want to talk to each other can talk to each other so that part Additionally, combined with this thing makes it stranger to me that it was fine in the first marriage, that it happened and wasn't forbidden and wasn't seen as not normal. So I don't know. I mean, is it possible that the that Loretta, the woman, uh, the wife in this situation is uh, has some problem that she's not sharing and she doesn't want to talk directly and she is just a really good liar or like there's so much that we don't know.
1: Yeah, no that was my I mean that was my first thought too and I was trying to like like look through this letter to look for signs that somehow the the mother-in-law has been doing something really out there. Because um, my she, first thought was, oh, Loretta just asked her your your son to do this. And he's like being the bad guy on her behalf. And she's just like a super good actor. And she is 100%. This is all coming from her. You only think you guys get along great. That's why you've never had a conflict because she outsources all of her conflict to your son.
2: But I've, I've read and listened to you for a while. And every once in a while, there's a letter from somebody who thinks they're the hero but are definitely the villain of the story but they, they yeah, lack I get the, that
1: vibe from this
2: she does not lack the self-awareness she seems com- like it seems like she's doing she, everybody's doing a great job at seeming reasonable but except for the son yeah oh yeah What's why is he why is he being mean about it
1: Right. That's what I, that's what's been, I've kind of been going back and forth over this, too. I've been having the same problem. Like, the letter, it's it's long and it's definitely full of feeling, but it does not feel like she has unreasonable expectations. No. It doesn't sound like she's been asking really outrageous things. Like, there's nothing in this letter that suggests to me, oh, I can kind of see why your kid actually might want to set some boundaries and avoids having hard conversations with you because you sound like you overreact to stuff. Like, that doesn't seem to be the case here. So, like, either... Loretta is, for whatever reason, uh, really conflict avoidant, really doesn't like you, and has asked your son to sort of be this stand-in guard dog on her behalf, or your son's being, like, really out of line, and I don't know why, because you sound pretty nice. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm missing something here.
2: It like my I guess the idea, the advice that I have is like when letter writer, you say, should I talk to Loretta? But my son might be mad. I've tried talking to my son. Like, I feel like I'm sure that you have if you are the reasonable person that you present as that seems to understand and want reasonable things from your life and family and the people who care about the people that you care about and who you care about, uh, then I mean, I guess. I would say, I would recommend trying to talk to your son about how, like, it doesn't make sense that even if it isn't, even if it is weird, which it isn't, it wouldn't be bad if it was weird, which it isn't, as evidenced by your last marriage. Where, why? I would, that's a specific concrete piece of advice I can say is say to your son, why was this not a rule in your last marriage? And see what he says to that. If he has some reason that, uh, you can't, that you can't think of, that I can't think of, that Mallory can't, that, I mean, it doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, but that seems fair to say, like, hey, like, kind of one last-ditch effort to talk about it with him before having the possibility of talking to Loretta, which I don't necessarily want to advise you to do, because no. I want to at least explore the possibility of what would it look like if you just accepted that this is a weird role your son has. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll put a pin in that for a second. So, Yeah. One last talk with your son and just say, like, I'm not looking to become Loretta's best friend. I'm not looking to call her five hours a day. Um, I am confused because in your last marriage, I would periodically have, I assume, like normal contact with your wife and it worked out fine. Um, Did I do something to your wife? Was there something I did that she didn't like that you didn't feel like you could tell me? That, that makes you feel like it's necessary to put this rule in place? Because I don't understand. Um, this has not historically been how I've interacted with uh, your previous partners. So I don't understand why you think it's not normal for a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law to talk. Like, that's not my experience with my own mother-in-law. That wasn't my experience with your last wife. Um, can you explain why you all of a sudden feel this need?
2: And can I, I have another idea that, yeah. I mean, my normal advice in a situation where you're like, you can't it seems like you can't control this. And so if you never get the answer that you want, then you right. have to be the one to just be like, well, this is how it is. I don't want to worry about it forever because I'll never know. So I have to you know, come to terms with it. But this is your son. This is your family. This will be, uh, hopefully, for a while, <laughs> the people that you know and care about and want to connect to. My, The only other hope that I have is, she says she's the only person this rule applies to. Is there somebody else in your family that you're close to That Hmm. might have any clue, like, because it can't be, I mean, do you talk to other people? Are you close with, you know, your extended or non-extended family? I don't know who else there is who is allowed to talk directly to your son's wife. But I I don't, and I don't usually want to advocate being like, like, it sounds like sort of second grade to be like, you know, check this box. If like, does this person like me? Why doesn't this person like me? But Right. That at some point might be the only recourse that I think only in this situation seems maybe reasonable to be like, do you or even not to like ask them to go ask the person, but do you know why this might be? Have right. am I a certain way with anybody that would make it reasonable to have this apply to me and me alone? Like, am I am I unreasonable? How am I unreasonable?
1: No, and I think that's fair. I think that's a good point, Mike, because it's not just that you're trying to, like, dig up dirt on your kid or trying to, like, triangulate your relationship with him. You're kind of doing the emotional equivalent of, like, hey, do I have anything in my teeth? Yeah. Um, Like, before you decide whether or not this is worth escalating conflict, you want to double check to make sure, like— Am I seeing my own behavior as objectively as possible? Like, I think I am, but I want to do a double check before I run the risk of inciting a conflict between my son and me or my son and his wife. Um, so to ask somebody else in the family that you care for and trust and to say, I'm really looking hard in my own past. Um, I want to be open to feedback and criticism. And and if you don't know, you don't know. I, but like, can you think of any reason why my son might feel that this is necessary? Um and to be open to if you hear something that feels really surprising or jarring to kind of sit with it, think through it, ask yourself if there could be any truth to it. Um,
2: yeah, there could let's be. Let's say you yeah. try
1: that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: As there could be something like that. People want to. People love you. People care about you. They're in your family. They want what's best for you. They, If there is something that they aren't telling you, they're doing it out of love because they care about you, but they are letting you walk around with this emotional you know, staying on your teeth, this something mm-hmm. that is there that is affecting you. It And if they could understand, if you can let them know for sure that hopefully you're open to fe- hearing whatever they say, that that will the truth will be the best thing for everybody in this situation, because right now, none of us have it.
1: Yeah. So let's let's put that aside for a minute and say okay let's say no one has a good answer for you no one's like oh yes you did this really bananas thing that was awful um or or whatever and and you need to figure out okay can i can i see my way through to saying it's a weird rule i don't get it i don't like it um but Since I don't see any sort of signs of abuse, I don't have any cause to be concerned about the healthiness of their marriage, um, and I might be willing to adhere to this kind of weird rule um, that my son has put in place. If it means, you know, that's the way that their marriage is set up for whatever reason, I don't have to understand it. I still get to see them. It's not like he's keeping her from me. Um, I still get to have positive interactions with them. Um, And this is something that I don't have to like, but I can respect. And I think that's possible. I think you could do that. That's a low conflict route. Um, But I think sometimes people have rules that we don't necessarily like or understand, but we can accept. That's one possibility. The other one is you can talk to Loretta. You run the risk on a couple of fronts, right? Like, one is she has been asking your son to do this. She will not give you a straight answer. You will not learn anything, and you'll just kind of both feel weird around each other. Like, that's a possibility. You'll say, Loretta, I feel uncomfortable bringing this up. I'm not quite sure what to do. Um... I understand if you don't want to discuss this, but I I did want to ask, you know, my son has told me repeatedly not to contact you. I feel like you and I have a good relationship. I would like to be able to occasionally call you up and chat, find out what you want to do for your birthday. Is that okay with you? Um, But to bear in mind that it may not be and you might not get a straight answer. Um, But I don't think that's an outrageous thing to say to her. Like, yes probably you will put her in a slightly uncomfortable converse- situation. It probably will feel a little weird. You you might hear her be really surprised. Like, she might be like, I had no idea that he said that, and I'm confused. And and that might be one possibility. But I, I think you could do that. Yep. Uh, that... You just really run the risk of, of getting not a straight answer. And then I think you would have to let it go.
2: It is. You, you definitely, if you've presented everything faithfully, you have... A real stumper of a problem.
1: Yeah. But yeah, so like, let's say you have that conversation and you get everything you wanted out of it. She says, I didn't know he had that rule. I genuinely like you. I'm not sure what he's doing. Please do feel free to occasionally call me. Um, and then I think the best thing you can do is just say to your son, um, Loretta and I don't need this rule we're comfortable calling one another. I'm not going to try to call her to talk about you or to like get the dirt on you. I'm not trying to like get in between you and your wife and and your marriage. But if I want to know what she wants for Christmas, I'm going to text her. Um, And I hope that's okay. Um, That's not an unreasonable thing to want. So that's like the probable best case high conflict scenario, right? <laughs> is like Loretta gives you the green light, you guys are comfortable, you get to sort of gently say to your son, I'm not trying to manage your marriage or get in the middle of it. I just want to sometimes call her, and I'm going to do that. And if your son totally blows up, then you and Loretta can sort of be like, that's weird. Why do you think he's doing that? And then you get to be the sort of sane, reasonable one, which is always a nice place to be. Um or, like it, you know, yeah. you talk to her and she's like kind of weird, kind of evasive. Um, Your son gets mad at you and then, you know, you kind of get your wrist slapped for kind of getting in the middle of their marriage. And um, I I think at that point you would just have to apologize and retreat. Um, And that's a bummer. But um, sometimes that's just how it is. Like we don't always get to understand the inside of other people's marriages, even if we want to. Um, And I think if that happened, you would need to back off. Um, But please write back. Like, like, let us know if you do talk to Loretta what she says if she seems clear on it if you learn something new about something that's gone down between you guys that you didn't realize before or or what's going on or, or or maybe he is abusive and just really good at hiding it or i mean i don't think that's super likely given how they interact and the fact that this rule doesn't exist for anyone else but it's it's a possibility uh i still have so many questions i don't feel great about any answer
2: please let us know everything
1: yeah, please, and please Loretta? call us back. Loretta, call us. If you think this is you, if someone's reading this and they're like, huh, this, this is weird, this might be me, uh, please call us. But we should move on. This has been, I don't think we're going to get to the bottom of this today. Would you, uh, would you be so good as to read the next letter?
2: I will be as good as I can. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Uh, dear Prudence, my wife and I are in our th- early 30s and have been together since college. Our son, who was not planned, was born when we were in our early 20s, and we had a daughter about three years ago. In college, and for the first couple years after my son's birth, my wife was very ambitious and had goals of becoming a lawyer, a college professor, and or a writer. But that ambition has largely gone out of her over the last several years, in large part because of the realities of parenting. She's had a string of part-time, entry-level jobs that she quit after weeks or months because she felt she was overqualified and was not willing to hang in there and seek a promotion. Meanwhile, I've been with one of the largest and most prestigious companies in my field since I graduated, winning multiple promotions and raises along the way, while also being an attentive father and husband. Our outlook well, on congratulations. life <laughs> Sorry,
1: I've never interrupted a letter before. That sentence was just so preening. I was like, "Oh, well, good for you. You're perfect. Your wife sucks, I guess."
2: The tone Sorry, is continue. a thing, certainly. <laughs> Uh, our outlook on life has diverged as a result, and despite my more than decent income, our finances are becoming strained because she has not earned more than 10000 or so each year since my son was born. I worry about saving. We aren't. Avoiding debt, being able to pay down our mortgage, sending our kids to college, and eventually retiring if I'm the sole earner. And more importantly, I'm feeling more and more like my wife is not the person I fell in love with and exchanged vows with. Uh, I don't judge people who forego a career to raise their kids. Both of my older sisters have done so, but I never intended to settle down with one, and my wife knew that before we had a family. She has also become resentful and restless. Last month, I was nominated for a minor award, and she couldn't even bring herself to feign happiness. I, I didn't know if you'd interrupt again. I've. No, no broached the subject many times, encouraged her not to quit jobs, and to apply for law school, agreed to put my daughter in full-time daycare despite it eating up a quarter of her income, and offered to request a more flexible schedule at my job if need be. Nothing seems to help, so what else can I do? There's a lot going on here. Like, I think that despite his tone, there are some... Like, I would love to hear from this woman. I would love to know... What she wants, right. what her experience is, does she still like she wanted the same thing uh, by, by your account that you wanted with her life for your life together to both be having meaningful careers in addition to this family, if, if we are to understand and believe uh, everything that is being presented. But it seems like perhaps she has changed her mind. Perhaps she does not want that. But but also you do need to make money. You, your family requires money for your children and your lives. So that part is understandable to me. Like all of the ways in which you express these ideas are not as understandable to me. But uh, I mean, I do. I understand. There's it's just there's so many points of I want to know everything. And we only know a few things.
1: Right. And and although that one line really stuck in my craw, uh, this does not feel like, oh, what a jerk. The problem is you. Uh, I just that sentence was a lot. Um, Like, there's clearly a lot going on, right? Like, Yes. um, But one thing that I want to push back against a little bit that I sometimes hear from people, they'll say things like, I feel like my partner is no longer the person I fell in love with. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, they're not. Neither are you. Um, Which is not to say that, like, if someone changes, like, radically and dramatically, you don't have the right to feel a certain way about it. Just, like... Yeah, man, you guys have been together since college. You have since had two children, one of whom was unplanned. Uh, Of course, you're not the same person you fell in love with. Um, That's sort of the point of getting married is saying, let's find out what life does to us and try to stick together. Um, and so, uh, yeah,
2: the point of life in general is to, hey, I'm different than before. That's good. Growing and changing and learning. And sometimes, yes, when you're together in a marriage, you grow in different directions and want different things. And maybe that will be something that you have to reckon with. But the whole point, you're not, you know, you're not Han Solo frozen in carbonite. And then you come out and Princess Leia is like the exact man I fell in love with right before he went into carbonite.
1: Yeah, he's been through some stuff. He was in carbonite. Yes. And, uh, and anybody who's read Tales from Java's <laughs> Palace knows that uh, it really does a number on your memory because it feels like a sort of like uh terrible dream prison uh, that lasts uh, for thousands of years.
2: Um, do you, I,
1: I loved yeah. tales from
2: Jabba's palace. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Sounds like no picnic being in that carbonite, but, uh, correct. My question, I guess, would be, have you guys talked about or considered couples counseling or individual counseling? Because if you have money to, you know, to throw at childcare to help, you know, invest in what could be your hopefully mutual beneficial together future, uh, that could be a thing or even to just have a conversation. Like, what does she want now? It seems like you don't. Not that you don't know, but you didn't tell us. What does she want? Does she want to be a mom right. full-time forever? Does she, like, it does make sense. It, like, I do understand being frustrated with her going to get a job then saying, right. I'm better than this job. I'm overqualified for this job. So instead, I'll have no job. But right. I also do understand a person not wanting to spend time at a job that doesn't fulfill them, but also having children, uh, especially and having your life to support, you do need, at some point, some job.
1: Right. And and, and I, I also want to put in a plug for that couples counseling because it feels like part of what you're getting to right now is a critical point of I'm starting to feel really estranged from my wife. I'm starting to resent her. And and those are hard things to share with another person. And if you don't start sharing them now and having a lot of difficult conversations, you will just eventually feel like she doesn't know you and divorce will seem like the only option. Um, and I think it's good to explore uh, as much as you can, your other options uh, first, because I think it's better not to get divorced, uh, especially if you have kids. That that doesn't mean like everyone who gets divorced is is bad. Just it's good to try not to.
2: I, um, I've been divorced. My parents are divorced, and we're uh-huh. all bad. Um,
1: good. I'm I, glad you could. Yeah, and just, sorry. Just just <laughs> thinking through too. Like I know you're already worried about money, but do you know what's more expensive than couples counseling is a divorce.
2: And And alimony
1: and shared custody and having two of everything. Um, So throwing a couple of hundred bucks a week at this now, if it forestalls like a big messy divorce where then your wife has to suddenly like jump back into the workplace and you both have to be like single parents, um, this will be cheaper.
2: And I mean, if the wife is also listening or reading or, you know, talking to you about this, like at some point, if you do get divorced, then probably she will also have to, you know, work at that point as well. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it's used that as like, you know, an ultimatum like to bludgeon her with now, but uh, conversations need to happen. And I think what's m- most important is like, what does she want? And also keep in mind, you have a good, you have a job that you like. You're happy moving right. forward in your career. That might be intimidating or daunting right now because she is not... There, And even if she went to law school, she wouldn't be there for at least three years or more. Like she's not going. And that can be that can be intimidating. That can be daunting. That can be something like these are things that I think uh, I mean, I advocate talking with your wife, uh, both with and or without a counselor.
1: Yeah. And I think one thing that's weirdly encouraging is you're both unhappy. (laughs) Uh, like you say your wife is resentful and restless and not that that's fun or like how exciting for you but it is I think helpful you can both say like this is not working what we're doing right now, this isn't working and is not sustainable. And that's kind of a relief to acknowledge that, right? It would be a lot harder if your wife was like, yes, I I, I am no longer ambitious. I love this. I don't want to make money. I do want to uh, be a full-time stay-at-home parent. This brings me great joy and satisfaction. And if only you hated it, that would be really difficult. Um, but it's it's kind of good to say, like, look, this sucks. Um, that's and great. And you're not happy and I'm not happy Um, We need to talk really honestly about other options and whatnot, what's not working. So that's kind of good. And you can both start from there. And to ask a lot of questions um, of your wife, I think, is really helpful because, like, you know what you don't want, but it's not clear yet, like, is the problem that she's, like, giving up too quickly on these jobs? Is the problem that partly she feels like you're not as available for parenting responsibilities as she would like you to be? So part of her worry is, like, if I go to work full time, you are not going to help pick up the slack and our kids are going to suffer as a result. That's a possibility. I'm not saying that that's the most likely situation. I just, that's information you should get from her. Um, is she just like straight up depressed and doesn't have a sense of how things can change? Um, and if that's the case, like how can you guys address that depression um, and 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 help her? Um, and just, yeah, basically say like... W- what's What's this look like to you? How do you feel about this? What kind of work would you like to do? How could I help support you? Also, here's a way in which I wanted your help and support and encouragement when I won this award, and you didn't, and that was hard for me. Like you can both share your needs and ask what hers are. You are not the bad guy here. Um, you don't have to apologize for the things you've done well, but you should be like trying to figure out if you don't feel like your wife's the person you fell in love with, find out who she is right now. What does she want? What's not working? Really, like, go after those answers. Even if she's not forthcoming right away, like seek it out.
2: The sentence that uh, that jumps out at me is that her ambition has largely gone out of her over the last several years, over the last several years, in large part because of the realities of parenting. I don't know exactly what that means. It's it's more time consuming. It takes she she loves it so much or she hates it so much or some combination or what, what exactly what does that mean? And is that your assessment? Is that your interpretation? Is that something that she has literally said or is it being summarized? I just we don't have all the answers and you are capable of getting at least some of them.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. And and if part of it needs to be like, we're going to throw some money at this problem for a little while. Uh because we we are able to I know you do have financial concerns but again like you're apparently at a point where you are able to put a quarter of your income towards daycare like if that's something you need to just say let's just do it so that as you go through the process of figuring out the next job at least for like a couple of hours a day there are no kids in the house um, so that we have that sort of addressed um, then that might be useful Um, but yeah really like Pay close attention to this, have tough conversations, ask a lot of questions, um, because otherwise you run the risk of just keeping this inside, keeping this inside until one day you get to a point where you're like, I don't even feel like you're my partner anymore. Why don't we just get divorced? And I'm not saying that that might not happen, but it's better to make sure you check every other door first.
2: And one. Also, one don't guy. have another
1: kid. <laughs> you don't say that you're thinking about it. I just like don't have a third kid. Use birth control a lot because it sounds like you guys are barely holding on together. And if you added another kid to the mix, uh, you guys would both just. Be very sad. So please don't have a third child.
2: And the child, the second child, your youngest child right now is, you said, about three. It was about mm-hmm. three years ago. That could be two. It could be four. Somewhere, you know, between two and four. Like, that's still young. And I think at home, you know, if you're not paying for child care right now, like, your wife is at home with the child. Like, things will change with that child in one or two years or three. or I don't know when, when kids are, like, in school, full-time, taken care of. Yeah. But that will... I, as I understand it, I don't have children. I've never had children. But right. I, I think that it changes a little bit when they're not in the house with you all the time. So right. maybe that will be, you know, a step towards your wife having more time to put towards the endeavors that she does want to do that are not having the child only.
1: Yeah. And now I'm I'm looking back at the beginning of this question, too, and just thinking, like, your first child wasn't planned. Uh, your wife used to be ambitious. Uh, And then you don't say, like, we had a conversation and decided it made sense for one of us to stay home full time. It's just somehow the ambition left her, like the Holy Spirit passed out of her. (laughs) And she is like, uh, you know, the preacher from Grapes of Wrath, just wandering around the fields of Oklahoma saying, I lost the spirit. Like, I'm kind of curious, did this just fall upon your wife by default? Did you just kind of like assume that your great job was going to be your focus and you were just sort of like great and I, like again i, I don't want to make assumptions maybe you didn't do that but like maybe she resents that maybe that sucked and maybe she feels like she's missed out on the last like six seven eight years of being able to build a career and the idea of starting over um while you're kind of like in the fast lane feels really daunting and if that's the case you know pay attention to that it doesn't again it doesn't make you a monster but like ask about that
2: Mallory, I will call your attention to where he did say that he has been an attentive father and husband. So uh, I think that uh, he definitely has been. He's a good judge. And I mean, sincerely, my recommendation is to to be that, to be as attentive as you can to your wife's needs and desires and concerns by learning what they are and trying to work with her on them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll just throw out there. Very few people have written into me saying I am an inattentive husband and father. <laughs> uh, I pretend not to notice when the dishwasher is clean and, and needs unloading. Uh, when I walk into the laundry room, I act like I don't know what sound the dryer makes when it's done. And I just assume someone else will fold things like uh, Mallory. No I, one's I, uh, copying to that shit. And will, I'm, again, uh, I'm not saying that's what's <laughs> going on here. I'm just like, you don't give us a lot of detail, letter writer, about uh, what you're doing with your children. So, um At least consider the possibility that your standards of attentive father and husband uh, are not what your wife has in mind.
2: May may I briefly confess to sometimes when the recycling is full, I crunch it down and don't take it out in hopes that my girlfriend will.
1: Look, we're all monsters. Yes. We are all monsters. Everyone would love to walk into a room and pretend they don't know how appliances work. (laughs) Like, oh, oh, was the dishwasher full of clean dishes? Did it need to be emptied? I I, I had no idea. Uh, I do that to myself. I live with me. (laughs) And I like I am my own shitty husband and father. Um, I get it. But, you know, we we all have to roll over and show our soft bellies to the people we have chosen to live with uh, to prove that we are not predators seeking to eat their innards. Um, And we have to overcome the inner monster who wants to be like, what's a clean dish look like? I can't open a cabinet door. Okay, so uh, moving on to something that we might not be able to fix at all, but Mm -hmm. I think is just worth Noting um is the the next letter, which uh, I think it's your your turn to go ahead and read.
2: I do think I did just read the last one, but I'm happy to read did this you?
1: one. Yeah, I, read read another one.
2: Okay. You're I, just doing
1: such a great job. I and really I love you so much.
2: Oh I you are too kind slash exactly the right amount of kind. Uh okay. Dear prudence, due to relatively recent sexual assault, domestic violence, and subsequent compound PTSD and psychotic depression, I've been I've become unable to work and had to move back in with my parents, who also have a history of abusing and gaslighting me. Things are weirdly fine here, although my mother keeps bringing up family trauma almost as though to bait me into restating the truth and then denying it, as always. She sat by doing nothing while my stepfather, her third husband, repeatedly sexually assaulted me over the course of nine years. She also sometimes watched. She now says she has no memory of these events, and I must be making it up, which makes me feel intensely abandoned and gaslit. I know you always say there are other options, but I have literally no money and am too sick to work. My parents and I care for each other. They are elderly, and I help them around the house. They provide me free room and board, but I feel like I'm wallowing in my trauma. Do you have any advice for self-care, maintaining boundaries, and so forth?
1: My first thing that I just want to say uh, is just to like affirm and apologize to this letter reader. If I have ever said anything that implies everyone always has options at all times, um that's just not true. And I'm so sorry. I, I I don't know if there's ever been a time when I have said that, but if I have, I apologize. That's not true. And um there sometimes are, there are no yeah. options. There or are sometimes a, there are very yes. limited options.
2: And worse options. There's other like you could leave and be homeless is obviously an option that you don't want to do. That is Right, ha- especially
1: yeah. if you have PTSD. Um that is not a safe option for you. So I I I if nothing else, letter writer, please know um. That at least from us, like you are not going to get any sense of like bootstrapism or just find something else. Like it sounds like you are in an incredibly difficult position um, where none of your immediate options are great. And I just want to acknowledge that that is true. Um, Not everybody can just go rent an apartment tomorrow and live independently and not need to be in contact with people who are abusive or hurtful like um, so so just let's start with that
2: definitely you have my uh immense sympathy and i'm very sorry uh and i i hope that anything that we say can help i mean and i i know that there isn't always help we we sometimes have i mean you have immense challenges and i i care very deeply for the state that you're in and i hope that i hope that it won't be something that stays with you forever. Like you said, you recently became unable to work, perhaps over the course of time and perhaps therapy. I don't know if you're in therapy or if your parents would be able to help if they were willing and able to help you afford therapy. I know that if they are the ones who are, you know, have inflicted some of the pain, the harms, the wrongs on you, maybe they're not, maybe they wouldn't be the most helpful. But if they, they, you have a relationship with them, you're there with them, you're living together. And your mother clearly whether whether she does remember and is lying to you, or whether she herself was, you know, the victim of some kind of uh, traumatic abuse, and is also going through whatever she's going through. Like, it it could hopefully be understood that you are in need, it would be great for you to get help. Uh, for, yeah, and I just yeah. want to what interject yeah. there and Please.
1: just say whether or not your mother was also the victim of some form of abuse or or domestic violence, um, that's unrelated. There's often like a horrible Venn diagram of yes. people who have been both victimized and victimized others. So I just want to point out, even if your mother was being abused or has been abused or has abuse in her past, um, that would not uh, excuse, not that you were suggesting that it would, I just no, want to no, make yes. it really clear, Very that much. would not be a mitigating factor in like the horrible abuse that she um, enabled uh, to be perpetrated against you. Um, and I, I just, you know, it sounds like letter writer, you are very aware of your family's abusive dynamics, the dynamics in which they lie about the ways in which you have been abused. And that is horrible. Um, it's debilitating and it's awful. Um, and and I'm so sorry. Um, and I also just want to point out, um, probably these are not going to be people who will be helpful when it comes to accessing the services that you need. Yeah. Um, if they ever are, that's great. And I would say, like, capitalize on those moments. But, um, you know, I, I think it sounds like you have a pretty accurate read on your parents' situation, which is um, they are abusive they lie about what happened to you, and you cannot trust them. Um, and it sounds like right now you're at like a peaceable detente that's working for you, and I'm glad that you have a place to stay, um, and that they are not—that um, she's not still with that stepfather. That's all good. I'm glad to hear that. But, um you know, I also imagine they will not be the most helpful people in terms of getting the treatment that you need for um, your PTSD, for your depression, um, for, for processing the trauma that you've been through.
2: Can I also say uh, one perhaps small and hopefully helpful idea? You say that sometimes your mother will bait you. Uh, she will, and if at all possible, I would... Uh, advocate, try not to take the bait, try not to engage. Like if you, if you sense that your mother wants to have this, you know, this repetitive, uh, you know, cycle continue, Uh, right. you don't like, you can hopefully as much as you can control your, you know, participation or lack of participation in that. If you can leave the room, if you can just not, not engage as much as possible.
1: Right. If you feel comfortable even just saying like, I'm not going to discuss that. Or changing the subject, Um, you do not have to continually restate what happened to you if you don't want to. Um, If if you need to just draw a hard line or change the subject or say whatever you need to say in the moment to get out of that conversation, like I hope you know that you can do that. Um, That's a really good point, Mike. Thank you for bringing that up. Of course. Um, and, And I think just in terms of like advice for maintaining boundaries and taking good care of yourself right now given that you are in a really difficult position um, and don't have any like immediate great options. Um, yeah, I do have a few. Obviously, I think you'd benefit immensely from therapy, um, from seeing a doctor, um, from from seeking like, you know, genuine, like medical attention for like your very real conditions. I don't know how able you are to access those things. You say you're too sick to work. I don't know what that looks like for you. Um, if you are able to file for disability, I hope you can do that. I hope that can be something that maybe you can ask a friend to help you do if there's somebody who lives nearby that you do trust. Um, I hope you're able to do that. Um, if If that's you know if if like getting a therapist leaving the house getting a ride somewhere if all of those are kind of out of your reach right now um you can always call the national sexual assault hotline like as someone who has been sexually assaulted um that is something you should be able to access um and it's it's a 24/7 hotline it's free it's confidential um you can call 1-800-656- hope, H-O-P-E, and speak to somebody, um, just to have someone to talk to who will at the very least not call you a liar. Um, you can also go to rain.org, that's R-A-I-N-N dot org, um, and you can chat live, like over your laptop, um, or, or even through your phone, um, with, People who are trained to um, help you like maximize your own safety and and access different mental health resources. So that's that's free. That's available twenty four seven. um if if other uh, avenues of accessing help are out of your reach, that's something you can do for yourself privately right now. Um, As often as you need to. Um, And and I think that that's really helpful, even if it's just like once a day to have someone to listen to you say, this is really hard for me. And this happened to me. And they can just say, I'm so sorry. I hear you. Um, Like if nothing else, you you can have that. if, you know, I hope that you have your own room, like if you just need to go be in your room by yourself for a while, or um, I don't know if, if you're currently mobile, if you can do things like go outside and take a walk or even go outside and sit on the porch, like just to be in a room where your parents aren't as often as you can do that. Um, I hope that you can do that to just take some quiet space, like to put on headphones, just something where you don't have to listen to them, where you don't have to engage with them, where you can be by yourself, um, I, I think might be really helpful for you.
2: That all sounds uh I second all those things. I'm sorry that there isn't more immediate obvious simple solutions to this. Uh you what you've gone through and what you are going through sounds immensely difficult and I'm sorry and I'm glad that you reached out here and I'm glad that you can hopefully reach out to other places uh that will give you if not, you know, immediate care, at least an ear and hopefully That will help.
1: Yep, yep. And 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 when you are on the phone, if if you need help figuring out a plan for eventually developing more independence, which is not to say that like in eight months I'm gonna be living on my own. Like that might not be realistic for you, Um, but to figure out a plan for setting aside a little money for yourself. Um, whether that's through signing up for disability um, or you say you're able to help your parents around the house, possibly being able to do periodic odd jobs either for them or for others um, that you could maybe like set up in a schedule that would work for you based on your own ability so that you could set aside a little money so that if you did need to go visit a doctor or, or see a therapist um, and, and you didn't necessarily like have um, your parents help or assistance that you might be able to pay for that through that fund. Just having your own money might help. Um, or or developing a plan for um, eventually someday um, living independently of them. Um, even if it's just talking to friends about periodically being able to stay maybe like one night a week at their house, if you have friends who would be willing and able to do that for you, um, figuring out just uh, how to maximize your options. Um, and just in the meantime to know, you do not owe your parents honest engagement. Um, They are not trustworthy, safe, healthy, rational, reasonable people. So if your mom is trying to bait you into talking about the truth so that she can deny the truth, um, you don't owe her that. You don't owe her anything. And if, if you need to just say, I'm not going to talk about that with you or, okay, like just some sort of flat, non-engaging dismissal. Um, you can do that and you don't have to engage with her when she tries to like get you to deny your own trauma, which is, uh, I'm just, again, so sorry. Um, you know, if, if that's something that you need to do, you can do it. Um but yeah, I think just to find somebody you can talk to, whether that's a friend, whether that's somebody um at Rain, um whether that's a therapist, whether that's like your primary care physician at your next physical. Like I encourage you to talk to anybody and everybody who's not your parents. Man, that is um that is a tough one.
2: Good luck. Sincerely.
1: Yeah. Yep, yep, good luck and and just please continue to take care of yourself and we wish you all the best. All right. The next letter is very, very short, um, and it reads simply this. Dear Prudence, FYI, pig milk is horrible. A friend of mine tried it. Carol. Carol, thank you. I always assumed that pig milk would be terrible. Um, I'd like to know a little bit more about how your friend came to try pig milk, um, but that's not something that that you saw fit to tell us today. It's just not some information we're going to get. And I understand and accept that. And and I just wanted to share with all of you, apparently pig milk is very bad.
2: We have one person's opinion. And yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If anybody else has tried pig's milk and thought it was fantastic, please write us. Um, and this, by the way, is is in response to uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about how weird just like life is and how weird Dairy is and it is confusing to me. And I also suspect that someone has perfected lab mm-hmm. milk, like the way they're oh, working yeah. on lab meat, but that mm-hmm. they're not giving it to us. Um and I think I just said the thing like, It's weird. It's weird that we're very specific about like we'll take milk from cows but not other animals and now people are just letting us know. Yeah, so if any of you have like tried cat milk or hamster milk or whatever, please again write us in and let us know your experience. Um we really appreciate it. This Definitely. is just slowly gonna turn into a <laughs> podcast that reviews various <laughs> animal milks, like Lizard milk. Oh, lizards are not mammals. They do not make milk. Um,
2: But people aren't going to, it's not going to stop people from trying.
1: Oh boy. That's. uh,
2: Lizard. Yeah. Mike, uh, we did it. Oh. We answered uh,
1: everyone's questions.
2: We did a really good job as far as, as far as I know.
1: Thank you so much for coming on the show. You are a beautiful, gentle cinnamon roll. And I hope you come back again and advise the people with me.
2: I would love to. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Audrey Dilling. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR, that's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute, tops.